welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. If you have your Bible, if you want to grab that and turn to Romans chapter 8. This weekend, uh, we're beginning a brand new series called World Life, and it's actually the new name for our missions and outreach department. And whether it's around the corner or around the world, that's what we're doing here at Life Church is uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to talk about waiting on the world to change. And before you think I have lost my ever-loving mind playing John Mayer on a Sunday morning, which didn't they do a great job? Yeah. Man, just great job. <laughs> Talented musicians. This side thinks so, this side doesn't. We'll convince you later. Uh, they're still trying to find Romans. So anyhow... It's really true. And it's been said that this song that was written by John Mayer is kind of a defeatist, uh, let me say, quote, it is basically a defeatist approach to revolution and redemption. That's what one critic said. And, and I would completely agree. But I would still say it's still the sentiment of the world that we live in. That you and I live in a world that has a defeatist, uh, lackadaisical, uh, laissez-faire, apathetic, pathetic, however you want to say it, uh, approach to life. And everybody's waiting for someone who's going to have the loudest voice, someone who's going to offer hope, someone who's going to change the system, someone who's going to stand up. And it's not going to be me, and it's not going to be you, but it's going to be somebody, somewhere, somebody's going to stand up and change the world. And the Bible speaks about this subject before John Mayer ever penned these words in Romans chapter 8. It talks exactly about what the song says. And, and, and so as you're turning there, we, we see, though, that there's something different. We see that the world is waiting, and it has been waiting, and it will continue to wait. But really what it's waiting on is you and I to stand up and to speak to these issues and to see some things happen. Let me, let me show you this. I'm going to walk through Romans chapter 8, verses 18, all the way to the end of the chapter today. And Romans is a fascinating book. And there is no way in the minutes that I have this morning to talk to you that I'm going to be able to fully theologically outlay this. But I just want you to catch the essence of what Paul is saying here as he writes this letter to the church in Rome. He says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Verse 19, for the creation, that's the world, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. What do they wait for? They wait for you and I as Christ followers. For the creation, it's the world, was, subjected, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning. It's the world. Has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And 2,000 years later, it's the same song, second verse. That gets better, just gets worse. We know that's what's happening. Now... The Bible is very clear here, and it says that the world that we live in is waiting. It's waiting for something to happen. It's been waiting since, since Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered the world, and there was this pronouncement that God put on the face of the earth that the creation, that the world wouldn't operate the way God intended for it because sin entered the world, and it entered the world through the choice of one man and one woman. But because of that choice, because of sin, this world that we live in is kind of off axis, and, and so that there's going to be toil and 
and, and, and labor. And there's going to be, uh, we're, we're going to make our living by the sweat of our brow. And, and there's going to be pain to childbirth. This thing that God said, be fruitful and multiply. That children are a blessing from the Lord. And yet they still are. But there's going to be pain. There's going to be problems. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be situations and circumstances. And so from that day until the day of, of the first century, when Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome, all the way to the 21st century, the world is waiting. It's waiting for someone to stand up. It's waiting for someone to give it hope. It's waiting for someone to, to speak into the darkness. It's waiting for someone to shine a light. And it's like an expectant mother. It's groaning. It's waiting for this thing to happen. This isn't new, what Paul's saying. Jesus said the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 21st. Chapter 24, verse 6, 7, and 8, when he says, You will hear of wars and of rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Why? Because such things must happen, but the end is still to come. The nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, there will be earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginning of the birth pains. This thing, the world itself, the Bible says, it cries out. It, it, creation itself moans. It cries out. It, 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 it's because it's not living the way the creator intended for it to be. That's why we have wars and rumors of wars. That's why we'll never have peace until Jesus comes. That's why we'll never be able to fix all the problems of the world. I don't mean that in a defeatist mentality, but the world that we live in, they get that. And so they go, well, there's nothing we can do. So you know what? I owe, I owe, so off the work I go. And I'm going to trade days for dollars. And hopefully I'll, I'll spend 48 or 50 weeks of the year so that I can have two weeks off. And, and, and in that two weeks, I'm going to try to find all the pleasure that I can. I'm going to have as many holidays that I can get off. I'm going to have as many three-day weekends as I possibly can get. I'm going to try to do everything that I possibly can to, 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 to change this aching in my heart. And the entire time, what they're doing will never change it. What, what they're trying trying to, to, to soothe their, their fears will never soothe their fears or, or calm their, their, their emotions. Why? Because the Bible says that there's only one response that will meet the needs of a waiting world. These aren't my words. This isn't hyped up Christianity. This isn't preacher talk. It's in God's word. Look at verse 23, verse 24, verse 25. Not only so, but we ourselves, Christ followers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning God's done a work inside of us, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, for the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24, here's the key. For in this hope, everybody say hope. We're saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? If you have a hundred bucks, you don't hope for a hundred dollars. If you have a new car, you don't hope for a new car. If you got a new house, you don't hope for a new house. If you got a new hunting rifle, you don't hope for a new hunting rifle. You don't hope for what you have. But we hope, verse 25 says, for what we yet do not have. And we wait for it patiently. See, the Bible says right there that the response of this waiting world, this, this world that's waiting for the world to change is apathetic, defeatist, uh, a lack of revolution, lack of redemption. Uh, the world is following this chicken little world that we live in. It, it, it's, it's not anything but simple of hope that the church of Jesus Christ has. It, it's, it's hope. It's hope that you have. You see, that's the reason why we're not apathetic. That's the reason why that we're not defeatist. That, that, that's the reason why. That, that's, that's the whole thing. It's the hope. It's the way it's designed to be is that God has put hope in Jesus Christ in you and in me. See, that, that, that's what happens. When, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, a change happens on the inside of us. A light goes on inside of us. The darkness is shattered, and there is hope. 
Not hope that political reformation will bring or hope that social reformation will bring or hope that some type of, of economic revolution will bring, but hope that, that calms the storms of our, of our souls. Hope that speaks peace, be still. Hope that gives us life. Hope that gives us a chance for tomorrow. Not just in the sweet by and by, but in the here and the now. And so as Christ followers, we're the hope of the world. And you go, ah, you're the revolution. You are the revolution. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel to every living creature, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who did he say that to? The disciples, to the Christ followers, to those that were on the mount as he ascended to the right hand of the Father. We're the hope. You're the hope of the world. I'm telling you, he rested the hope of the world in 12 men that would change the world. The hope. And, and, and Jesus Christ is the redemption. He is the only thing. He is the only thing that this world can be put back together by. We're the hope. Some of you have been sitting in church way too long, and you've forgotten that you're the hope. You just think this thing called church is just something that you do. Well, I got to go to church. We got to go serve. We got to go drop this off. We got to go do this. Take the kids to life kids. Blah, 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 blah. Gonna do the songs. Raise our hands. Clap. Write the check. Go to church. Go and do it all over. And the reality is, is that's not hope. That's an obligation. And some of you go, man, I just, there's like something on the platform because the life that I'm living and the life you're talking about are different. Well, the reality is, is that do you have the hope of Jesus Christ inside of you? The hope to, to change the world? Do, do you believe the words of, 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 God, of God's word? Do you, do, do you realize that God set us up to do this? Do you realize that the hope of the world is a local church? Listen to me. Starbucks, as great as they are, won't change the world. A grocery store. Sendex, as great as it is. And man, I love Sendex. Won't change the world. Any corporation, any for-profit, any not-for-profit, it won't change the world. Listen to me. Parachurch ministries will not change the world. The hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ. The hope of the world is you. The hope that this world is waiting for is you. And they sat apathetically by. And the song that we sang this morning, the song that the band sang, the John Mayer song, it's the world's mantra. It's the world in which we live in mantra. We see it every day. We pass the people on the freeway. We pass them in our office complex. We see the students going in the school and out of the school. We're around it 24-7. It's their song. Because they don't know another song. Because they don't know that there's hope. And so they're just waiting for the world to change. They're just hoping for a political creature that will stand up and say there's hope. They're just waiting for someone that will bring economic reform. They're just waiting for someone to create a job. They're just waiting for someone to create an economy. And the Bible says that politics and that social economics is never going to change the world. The only thing that will change the world, verse 24 says, is you. Not even him. And you go, whoa, I don't know if I believe that. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. That's the only thing that saves us. But the hope to communicate that message is you. He didn't raise up an angelic race to do it. He chose you. He didn't put it on. He didn't decide to start his own network and put it on satellite television. He chose you. He didn't buy a satellite brand radio. He chose to use you. He didn't decide to do direct mail and mass market. He chose to use you. He didn't set it up in some internet 
a, a way that you could just log on to www.god.com. It's you. The hope of the world is you. It's God's plan. It's the way that he decided that this, that this life-changing message would be sent. And this revolution of redemption, this hope that we have in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, that God flows through us to touch this world, Paul says expressed in three ways. First of all, through prayer. Read verse 26 and 27. And the same way the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us, through our wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the most powerful thing that we can do in giving the world hope is just to intercede, is to pray, is to ask God, is to begin to pray for that. You know, the most powerful thing that you can do for me as a pastor is not send me a Starbucks gift card, although I do like that, or, you know, a gift certificate to my favorite restaurant, although that's always welcome. I'm shameless on this. But it's prayer. Seriously. The prayer of a righteous man or woman avails or makes much. Prayer, Jesus said, can speak to a mountain through faith and be cast asleep. Prayer, the power to be able to touch God, the power. And you go, but sometimes I don't know what to pray for. Well, great, you're in great company because Paul says even in those, those wordless groans of intercession that you begin to pray the perfect will of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through that supernatural language, you began to pray the, 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 the perfect will of God. The greatest thing we can do for the world that we live in is pray. Pray for the leaders. Pray for those that are, that are in elected positions. Whether you agree with them or you don't, the Bible says they didn't get there by themselves. God allowed them to be there. And without his strength and his help and his ability, they wouldn't be there. But they're godless. I don't care. He's still working out his will. Under, we talked about that last weekend. God's will will be done. He doesn't need us. He just chooses to use us. I think that's an APB for some people. But prayer. Prayer for your schools. Prayer for those people that teach your children. Prayer. Prayer for the people that you work with. Prayer. Prayer for the companies that you work for. Prayer for your boss. Yeah, the one that's a jerk. Prayer. Pray for them. God knows you call them a jerk. Don't I? See, sometimes we think, did God really know? God knows our thoughts. He knows our minds. He knows the innermost workings of who we are. He knows who you like and who you don't like. And he speaks to me about those of you that don't like me. No, I'm just teasing. He, he knows that, right? And so at the end of the day, pray. The Bible says that we pray for our enemies. We pray for those that despitefully use us. We pray for those that bless us. We pray for those that curse us. We pray for those that help us. We pray for those who hinder us. We pray, why? Because prayer works. Prayer is just simply talking to God, just getting it off your chest to God, just exploding it to God, just giving it to God, giving your kids to God, giving your marriage to God, giving the, the future spouse that you're so desiring for to God, giving your job to God, giving the economic situation to God. Have you ever thought about that? The government will never change, folks. I don't mean to be mean, but we've come out of a political season and yet we'll go into another one again. And I'm so sick and tired of political ads. But at the end of the day, the government cannot change. The only thing that can change this world is the hope of Jesus Christ that's resting in you. You're the hope of the world. He goes on to say that it's through prayer, but also this revolution redemption happens through purpose. 
Look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through verse 36. This is just awesome. I mean, th- these words are incredible. And we know that in all things, say all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's you and me. Who have been called according to his purpose. Now, let me say something. That word called in the original language isn't like an all call. It's not like, hey, dinner's on. You know, like in a few weeks we're going to have Thanksgiving. Praise God. And, and somebody will say, it's time to eat. That's kind of like an all call, right? That's not the word, the call. The word call that's used here is individual. It's, it's specific. It's like God calling your name. It's like God calling your name and saying, you know, uh, God called you. God called Aaron. God called John. God called Richard. God called Donna. God, it's like, just put your name there. That's, that's how specific it is in the original language. For those of us who, who love him, for we have been called. You have been called. Aaron has been called. Rick has been called. Don has been called. Sally's been called. Susie's been called. According to his purpose. For those God foreknew, that's us, he also predestined and conformed us to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We're the brothers and sisters. Do you catch that? I mean, I understand Jesus Christ is the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Bible says if Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, then you and I are what's called joint heirs with Jesus. We sing an old hymn of the church. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And the church I grew up in, every time somebody, every time we had membership Sunday, we would sing that song. The bottom line is that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where that comes from. And those who he predestined, he also called. Again, it's specific. To you. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. But I love verse 31, a little bit of sarcasm. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm going to read that again. I don't think you got this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you think that God brought you this far to leave you? Do you think that he saved you just to let you drown? Do you think that he saved your soul from the devil's hell just so you would rot? Just so you'd go jobless? Just so you wouldn't be able to pay your bills? Just so you'd be a laughingstock to the community? No! That's what Paul's saying. Listen, we have hope. The world thinks that way. We're not to think that way because our hope is built on Jesus Christ. Our hope isn't built on, the, on political systems or economies or people or individuals or companies that come and go or, or stocks that are publicly traded. Our hope is built on Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? What's anybody going to say about you? Is it God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. For Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, he brought it up to a whole nother level right there, is at the right hand of God, interceding for who? For you. Let's just stop that for just a second. Let's rewind that one. Okay. Is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Who's praying for you? Jesus Christ. That's powerful. I, mean, I want you to pray for me, but the one who sits at the right hand of the Father is calling my name out. He's calling your name out. Why? Because the hope that he died for, the hope that he paid his life for, rests in whose hands? Your hands, my hands, the hands of the church. 
He's interceding for us. I love verse 35. Mm, there should be a Hammond B. Oregon when you sing that. <laughs> Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Mm-mm. Shall hardship? No. Shall persecution? Nada. Shall famine? Uh-uh. Shall nakedness? Let's don't try that one. Danger or the sword? No, as it's written, for, for your sake, we face death all the lay long, and we're considered a sheep gone to slaughter. Purpose. Purpose. God has given you a purpose and me a purpose. That's the reason why when an infinite God flows to a finite human being to touch another finite human being, purpose is created. That's the reason why some of you, I go, have you ever had the opportunity to lead someone to sinner's prayer? Have you ever had the opportunity to look into someone's eyes and say, do you personally know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I don't have all the answers, but here's what I know. Pray this prayer with me. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that, that what, what you're about to pray, you will be saved. Can we pray together? Repeat this after me. If you've never had the opportunity. You are living so blow below your pay grade. No wonder you think church is boring. No wonder you think Jesus doesn't work. No wonder you think this is all about money. It has nothing to do with that. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ, who saved your soul, who gave you hope, who took you from this pathetic, apathetic, defeatist world that John Mayer sings about and gives you hope that's unspeakable and full of glory and the life of Jesus Christ that flows out from inside of you, touches someone else and it catches fire. There is something about purpose that happens in your life. And some of you are looking at me like a mule looking at a new gate. You're just staring like, wow, what is he on? I mean, he must be like double red bulling it this morning. I'm telling you, wow. No, it's purpose. It's purpose. It's purpose. Yeah, but you're in ministry. It has nothing to do with that. The Bible says my job is to equip you to do the work of ministry. Technically, you're in ministry. I'm just in the equipping business. I'm just selling widgets to Christians. That's what I do. I'm just equipping you to do the work of ministry. You're the one that gets to do the work. You're the one that gets to have the fun. You're the one that gets to make it happen. I'm just building the space shuttle. You get to go into space. My job stinks. You get to have the fun. I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of this in your heart and in your life, it will change you. It will revolutionize you. And he says, the last thing, that when you go in prayer and you walk in purpose, that victory will be yours. Look at it, verse 37. No, all the preceding verses. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through those, through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, angels, demons, the present, the future, or any powers, height or depth, or anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That hope brings victory. That hope brings, brings victory in your life. That hope makes you more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. That's why we're so passionate. That's why I'm so passionate about telling the people that Jesus saves. That Jesus is not about religion. Religion is man's 
antidote to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Religion will kill you. Religion will dry you up. Religion will let you think that you're okay and inoculate you to this thing called the gospel and you will die in your sins. It's only through relationship with Jesus Christ that men and women are saved. God does not reside in the temples made by the hands of men. He resides in the hearts and lives of men and women. Why? Because he made your life. He made your body. He made you. He's not gonna reside in something that I make. He's gonna reside in something that he makes. And the Bible says that you're fearfully and that you're wonderfully made and that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could think or ask. And you're saying, this is just Norman Vincent Peale, positive speaking. No, it's not. It's God's word. It's the hope. It's hope that when you students walk on your campus tomorrow, you have the hope of Jesus Christ inside of you, that you're more than a conqueror, that no one shall separate you, that no one shall trumpet, that no one will keep you from that, that you can win your friends to the Lord, that you can win your campus to Christ. And you go, that's crazy. No, it's not. I'm telling you, I could just sit here and tell you story after story after story, but I don't have any more time. That's good for you and bad for me because I like my stories. But victory, because it's the hope. See, people are not waiting on the world to change. They're waiting on you and I to change the world. That's what Paul says. They're not waiting for this world to change. They're waiting for a man or a woman full of the Holy Ghost to stand up and say, I am not the answer, but I know who is. I am not the hope, but one who is lives inside of me. I don't have all the theological excuses and rhetoric, but I can tell you what he did for me. That's what you did last weekend. When 78 first-time guests walked through the doors, and there were more because some people just like their anonymity, which is totally fine with me, and they don't fill out a card, but the people that filled out a communication card, 78 people did that. And of the 78 people that you invited, and many of you invited more than that, it's just those were the ones that showed up. That's okay. One lady said to me as she was leaving, I had been invited to church by this woman for 23 years, and last weekend she decided to show up. Hope! (laughs) Don't lose hope, baby! Hope! I'm telling you, and 18 of the 78, because all the people that, were, that received Christ last weekend that made a decision to follow Christ were brand new. They were people that had never been here before, received Christ. Hope, victory. It's not about numbers. It's not about buildings. It's not about budgets. It's not about me. It's not about messages or preaching. It's about hope. The world is waiting for you and I to change the world. That's what world life is all about. That's what we're going to talk about these next couple weekends. Our ability through him to change the world. I want you to turn your attention to the screen. I want you to see what you as a corporate body of people have been doing around the world just in the first 10 months of this year.
That's pretty exciting. I mean, don't you think? That's awesome. That's what God's been doing through you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, I'm, I'm joined here with Kevin and Noel Miller, and uh, there are uh, missions pastors. Noel's also student ministries director, doing a great job, what, what. So anyhow, and so, um, but uh, I want to talk just real quick. Noel, talk, tell me a little bit about some things that happened last year, like some highlights. Yeah, one of my favorite things um, this past year has been when we took the students to Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, we were in a village there with a school, and uh, we had done like a VBS kind of presentation style thing, and afterwards a lady comes up, and uh, she's talking to us, and she's telling us how she had been paralyzed from one side of her body, and she had recovered from that, but she was still having problems like swallowing, and her throat was giving her issues, and and, you know, the coolest thing was it wasn't a missionary, it wasn't a pastor, but the students here at Life Church surrounded that woman, prayed wow. for her, and had faith to see her healed. And she began to swallow normal again, and the whole thing, and the students, I mean, if you guys could have seen their faces, it was just like, oh, my gosh, this just happened. And, and so it was one of my favorite experiences because it was nothing that a missionary or pastor did, but it was the students here at Life Church, and it was, it was awesome. Wow. And Kevin, tell me a little bit about, I know we did a lot, we've done a lot of different trips, but Montenegro, that's a, a very, uh, it's kind of a small uh, 
remnant left from the Serbian-Croatian war, yeah. and the, the evangelical church there is struggling, but it's emerging, and, and we Absolutely. went to do a mission there that week. We did. We took, uh, we took seven people from Life Church here to Montenegro, and uh, we did some ministry in the capital city there. Just to give you a background, Montenegro has 700,000 people with only 150 known Christians. So it's just, it's unreal, the uh, percentage of Christianity there. Uh, so we did a Convoy of Hope event there in Podgorica, which is a capital city. And we worked with a church of 50 people, which is the largest church in the whole country. And uh, we got to pass out flyers throughout the whole week. And then at the end, we had this huge event. And over 200 people showed up to this church wow. of 50, which for there, for here, it sounds, yeah, that could happen. But for there, that's, that's never happened before. They've never had a church event that's had over 100 people, and 200 wow. people showed up. And uh, the really cool thing about it is the week that we came home, uh, we heard that their church had doubled in attendance from 50 people to 100 awesome. people the next week because awesome. you guys went. So That's incredible. Now talk to me a little bit about what's in store for this. As we're kind of uh, from this point forward, what are the things uh, um, um, that some of the kind of what we're going to be doing, kind of where we're going. I know we've reached some goals. How many people have gone on mission trips so far this year? We've had 89 people so far go on mission trips. And our trip. goal is 100. And so it's by the end of the year, we still have two more trips left. So we do. how many will we have then? We have 27 more people signed up. So we wow. should have 116 people. So 116 people from, from Life Church going yep. around the world. That's amazing. And so talk to me a little bit about what's happening this next year What as we kind of turn the corner into 2011. Uh, for world life, what's going to be happening? What's the plan? Absolutely. Um, you know, not only are we going to be taking a lot of foreign trips, but we're going to be doing stuff here in Germantown, uh, helping out a lot of nonprofits and stuff. In uh, inner city of Milwaukee, we'll have some places that we'll be helping out and uh, doing food services, all kind of stuff. But then we'll have some trips in 2011 that we'll be taking uh, all across the world. It's a, a couple of trips. Those are on the back side of the bulletin, too, yeah, right? Yeah, those are on the back side of the bulletin that you guys can check out. But just to, I don't have time to go through all of them, but just to go through a couple of them. One of them is to Laos. And some of you guys remember Joe Gordon, the missionary that came. He had some amazing stories of what God has been doing in Laos, which it is uh, illegal to be a Christian there. Right. And we're actually going to be so able to So they're going to have to sign team. waivers, right, to leave? Yes, they yeah. are. In case you don't come back. Yes, you know? they are. That's part of it. But we're going to get to take a team there to work with Joe Gordon. It's going to be an extreme trip, backpacking the whole deal. We're going to hike up mountains to different villages and get to minister to people that have never, ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. So, wow. And then also we're going to Calcutta, India, which I'll let Noel talk a little yeah, bit about. Yeah, I'm super that. excited about this because we are going to be able to go and walk the streets of the red light district in Calcutta, India, wow. which is one of the, um, and I'm telling you, it's one of the most moving trips you'll ever take because um, just being able to go face to face with such a tragedy. Um, and you'll be able to give life to some of these girls and just really see God do some awesome things. So and that's a ladies' trip, that's right? That's a ladies' trip. And then for our students, uh, we're going to be going to Nicaragua, which is going to be extreme for some of these guys. And I can't wait to uh, prep them for that. And we're going to be working with children there um, that live in the dumps and in the streets and stuff. And that's going to be cool, as well as Chicago, so for our middle school trip. Now, talk to me about that real quick. When you talk about Chicago, I mean, we're like Chicago, like uh, going to go to the American Girl store. Uh, we're going to go to eat, you know, we're going to go to the Anderson. What, why Chicago? What's the big deal? Why should people spend the money to send their kids? I mean, I'm looking here, Chicago, it's 450 bucks. I can drive down there in, in, in an hour and a half. Absolutely. Well, with traffic, I, maybe two hours. But, but why? What's the big uh, deal? You know, it's just cool to reference it to last year. We went to Minneapolis and um, to see middle school students come out of their comfort, out of their comfort zone 
sit next to a homeless person and share the love of Christ with them is one of the most powerful experiences that you can watch happen. And we'll be doing the same thing in Chicago. We're going to be taking your student away for about a week, um, and we will take them out of their comfort zones, the whole deal, and they'll be able to share the love of Christ with the people there on the streets in Chicago. And so uh, it's, a, it's a powerful experience for them. So Change of place plus change of pace equals change of perspective. That's the most powerful thing about mission trips is that it takes you out of your comfort zone, takes your students out of their comfort zone. You're going to see, the kids going to Chicago are not going to see Michigan Avenue. They're going to see a totally different side of Chicago. And, um, and, so, and so the deal is it takes you out of that and it changes your perspective. Change of place plus change of pace equals change of perspective and God does something amazing. And you, know, you were just talking about India. I mean, I have, I've been to uh, Calcutta and to Delhi in uh, the Mumbai, and, and, and just to see, you're right, it's, and they took us to the red light district to see this, and it's girls, little girls, that are sitting out front, and grown men, who are, they were telling us where businessmen would go, and uh, it, it's a big, 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 big deal. It's overwhelming. It just invades your senses, and spiritually and physically, it's just, it's emotionally, it's, it's a... And the world that we live in says India is such this place to find who you are, but it's, there is this gross amount of spirituality, but it's not godly. It's, if, you, if you believe that there's only two powers on the face of the planet, the way the Bible says it, if there's either right or wrong, good or evil, God or Satan, you know, it's, it's very much controlled that way. So to be able to see, that's going to be a powerful, powerful trip. Man, and that's for ladies. That's, yeah, that'll be awesome to be able to, to, for, the, for you ladies to be able to go. Well, here's... We're excited because here's the deal. Over the past, you know, we found out as we did our 10-year celebration in the fall that just here at Life Church, just in the first 10 years of, of, of us being a church, kind of starting from, from a handful of people to, to the people that attend here in three weekend services, uh, that over a million dollars in missions, money has gone to missions around the world uh, because of you. And so uh, it's kind of been a cool celebration. And then to see that we've raised what has taken us a quarter of that you know, 10 years to raise that God's doing. So it's some incredible stuff. So Kevin, I want you to pray and just pray for what God's doing that will continue to be that hope of the world, not just here in Germantown, but around the corner, around the world and be what God wants us to be. Would you guys join with us in prayer?